I am just in awe. It was actually quite emotional when the guys were up here praying and uh, praying over those families that have lost loved ones and just thinking about our service members. And it's just, uh, it is such, um, I don't know, I, I am so thankful for the country that we live in and all those men and women that have fought for us. And so thank you again, those of you that have served and uh, um, and, and we thank those that are deployed right now and those that have even uh, lost their lives for our country. Um, we don't take that for granted. And today I want to uh, share a message as I was just praying about what, what could I share this morning? What would the Lord want to share um, uh, in light of this service and for those that have served in our military, but also something that all of us could walk away with, uh, with a, a truth from the Lord. And, and today's message we're, I'm entitling, Contending for Peace. Contending for peace. The King David, um, before he was, um, well, he was a war hero. Even before he was a king, he was a war hero. Um, they would have people that would shout, uh, Saul has, has uh, killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. He was a war hero. He, he was a king. Um, in a lot of the Psalms, what you read through the Psalms and you read that, that he was writing some of these Psalms in the midst of the battle. In the midst of the things that he was going through, Psalm 20 and 21, there was, a, uh, there was a, two psalms that were written from the perspective of the people. It was as if David was remembering um, the people. And they were, the, in Psalm 20, the people were, were basically saying, come back to us, king. When you go out into battle, make sure you come back. And they were asking for the favor of the Lord. And they were, they were asking for the protection of God over King David. And Psalm 21 comes in, and, it, and it's, as, it's as if David had already come back, and the people were saying, Oh, thank God he's back, and, and thank you for your service and all this. And so you get that in Psalm 20 and Psalm 21 and multiple places in the Psalms where, we, where we, we hear kind of the heart of somebody in the midst of battle. Well, Psalm 27 is one of those. In Psalm 27, and I want to read it here, it, we, uh, we don't know where um, David was when he wrote this. We don't know what season of life, but we do know as we read this that he was in the midst of battle. And, and this applies to every single one of us. How many know that we're all in a battle? Right? We're in the battle with the, um, the enemy of our souls that, that, I, that I, I often say he hates our guts and has a horrible plan for our lives. Right? So how's that for an encouraging word this morning? And so David, in a, in a true physical battle, it also reflects our hearts as we're all in battle. Psalm 27, I want to read the whole thing. It's a psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter, in his shelter, in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Can you imagine him writing this? in the midst of all that he was going through, maybe in modern times in the midst of, of, of bullets and mortar shells and all of the stuff going on and the smoke and everything, and he's sitting down in his bunker on the battlefield penning this or praying this out of his heart. He was likely in the midst of battle when he wrote this in such a great perspective as he puts trust in God instead of focusing on what is seen in the natural How many of us fall into that trap sometimes of just focusing on what we see and and we fall into fear and we, we fall into all of these traps because what we see seems so real when God's inviting us to look beyond that, to see him, to see that in the midst of everything we're going through, he's got so much to offer. He's got protection. He's got safety. He's got peace. Today I want to talk about peace. There's a story in World War II, there was a U.S. Marine, and uh, he was separated from his unit um, on a Pacific island, and there was, there was smoke and, and bullets flying and all this stuff, and he ends up being separated from his unit on this island, and uh, he's, he sees and, and hears the enemy coming to find him, and, and in this story, this, this Marine, he, he scrambles to find a place of, of shelter, a place of protection, and he, he uh, climbs up on this ridge and finds on this mountain a few different um, caves, small caves, and he climbs into one of the caves, and he waits there, really temporary protection, because he knows that the enemy is, is coming, and this Marine in World War II, he, he's waiting there and he, as a believer, he prays to the Lord and he basically just says, God, would you protect me if this would be your will? And if it's not your will, I still love you. And it was just a, just a heartfelt prayer, but he asked for protection. He's waiting there and hears the enemy approaching in the distance and there's a spider that kind of in the mouth of this cave starts to, to spin a, a web. And in his heart, this Marine, he kind of chuckles to himself and he says, well, I would, have, I would have rather you have sent a brick wall. That would have been a whole lot better if you would have sent a brick wall, but I guess, I guess the Lord has a sense of humor. The army keeps approaching and keeps getting closer and closer and pretty soon they're coming towards his cave, and he sits there ready and armed to make his last stand. And by this time, the spider web had had spun a, a big web, and the guys come close, but they look, and then they pass on by. 
And then the soldier sits there in the cave and he just thinks to himself, they must have thought that this cave had been empty for a long time because of this spider web. And he prays right there to the Lord and he says, he says, Lord, forgive me because in you, a spider web is stronger than a brick wall. It's just interesting. In the midst of what we go through, in the midst of battle, the Lord not only brings protection, but he can bring a peace that, that surpasses all understanding. The, the bullets are flying, the smoke is in the distance, the enemy is coming, and a spider web brings protection. Today, if there's one thought that we could walk away with, is this, that peace isn't just the absence of conflict. True peace is realized in the midst of conflict and is often the fruit of pressing through conflict. I want to share that one more time, is that peace isn't just the absence of conflict, that true peace is realized in the midst of conflict and is often the fruit of pressing through conflict. Today there's a verse to focus on in 1 Peter 3.11. It says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. I want us to contend for peace. I love it how he words it here. Seek peace and pursue it. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, we, we have definitions of peace and they're, and they're similar. The, in the Old Testament, in, in, um, in Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. Shalom, and I, I, I hope I, the Hebrew scholars, I hope I haven't butchered the way that that's supposed to be pronounced, but I'm going to say shalom. A lot of times when, I, when we try to pronounce Hebrew words, there's, a, there's some sort of like a loogie that comes out of your mouth, and I, I'm pretty sure I got that one right. Shalom, it means completeness, soundness, welfare. It, it, it has to do with favorable, health, it, prosperity, safety, security, welfare, being well, uh, being, uh, it, it has to do with wholeness. And so when you just say peace, when, when they would come up to you, when a Hebrew, when a Jewish person would come up and say shalom, they weren't just talking about the absence of conf conflict, they were talking about so much more. In, in the New Testament, oh, the word was Irene, and it was, a, it was still the same deal, but it even went farther. It was peace between individuals. There was harmony and security involved in this word, safety, prosperity, quietness, and rest. And so as we talk about peace, we're talking about so much more than just, ah, oh, peace. There's so much more included in these words. And I, I actually have two points today. Normally there's three, and so everyone can say, oh, thank God. Two points. And then we get a, by the way, we're going to eat together. We have a barbecue. Someone donated all the meat, and we have a barbecue right after service to, to honor our military and then just have fellowship together. And I hope that if you have any plans um, that you would cancel those and stay with us. And the crock pot, if it's on, I'm sure it'll be fine. And so just, just stay and have some food with us after this. So, um, but p point number one, peace in the midst. I want to talk about peace in the midst. Peace in the midst of whatever we're going through. That it's actually possible to draw on a peace, a supernatural peace. At the beginning of World War II, there, um, in, a, in a place called Warsaw, Poland, there was aerial bombings that actually had flattened the whole city for the most part. It was, it was uh, totally, totally destroyed. And uh, there was cement blocks. There was ruptured plumbing. 
There were shards of glass everywhere. And somehow in the midst of all of this, there was one building that stood mostly undamaged. It was the Polish headquarters for the British and Foreign Bible Society. And still legible on a surviving wall were these words, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Isn't that interesting? I loved it when I read that. What, you know what? This is what I thought of when I read that story. I thought of Proverbs 18.10 where it says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Can you imagine in the midst of a war-torn city, a tower or a building, and this building that stood for God, Standing in the midst. I just imagine a, uh, just a real picture of this Proverbs verse that says that, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That the righteous run to it and are safe. I, I want to share a truth with you this morning and it's this. Is that you don't get to have the shalom peace or the irene peace without a heart that follows after God. It's not just a one-size-fits-all peace that, that God just bestows on every single person at the sound of his voice. It's not just a peace that just covers the planet. That This peace that comes from the Lord is available to all if they follow hard after God, if they turn their hearts over to him. For a believer, this peace is available. You don't get the benefits of the cross without walking through the cross, we like to say. But this peace is available, and God wants to bestow it on every single person this shalom peace, this Irene peace in the midst of everything that we're walking through. Isaiah 26 puts it this way in verse 3. He says, you will keep talking about God. You will keep him or us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I think about that, that marine in the cave that we read about and the spider coming. And imagine God keeping him in perfect peace, this Marine that had his mind stayed or set on the Lord. Philippians 4, a classic passage, verse 6 and 7, a classic passage on peace and in the midst of anxiety or fear. It says this, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It's an amazing few verses there with great implication for us as believers. It's interesting that it says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, I, it's like God's saying, uh, don't be afraid or or." Like I say to my daughter sometimes, there's nothing to be afraid of. Right? It's as if he's, he says, be, just don't be afraid. Don't be, it's like the, the, the comedian from a long time ago that says, knock it off. Just knock it off. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop being afraid. To which I say, easier said than done. Right? When my five-year-old is crying in the middle of the night and I'm just, don't be afraid. And she's like, can I sleep on your floor? Can I sleep in your bed? Can we do something? Can we do? I'm like, oh my goodness. It's so illogical. There's nothing to be, if no one's coming through your window, there's not a boogeyman in the vent and there's not a monster under your bed. But it's, it's me too. I, uh, there's times where I have to tell myself, don't be afraid. And Man, it's so easier said than done. Isn't it? 
And I see here God, the God of the universe, saying, be anxious about nothing. Be anxious. Don't be afraid. And I sit here in my bed sometimes, my heart troubled and my heart racing and my palms sweating and hard to sleep. And and I'm like, there has to be a way. Well, he says it right here. I love in this passage that he prescribes a way to be at peace. Why am I afraid in that moment? Why are you afraid in that moment? And, and this is what I have found. Because in that moment, the object of fear is more real to me than the peace, love, and protection of God. In the moment of fear, whatever I'm afraid of, in that moment, it's more real to me than the peace of God, than the protection of God. Anytime I fear something or someone, I elevate that person or thing above God. By my actions, if not by my words, I tell God, you're not big enough, and I don't trust you. Isn't that crazy? By my actions, at least, if not by my words, when I am gripped by fear, I am basically telling the God of the universe, I don't trust you, and you're not big enough. And so he says, don't be anxious. But he says this, but in everything. And this is where he starts to give us some principles that help us to tap into a peace that's inside of you that you can access. In other words, he says, instead of fear, do this. He says, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And this word for prayer, it's, a, it's more than just, just talking with God. This word for prayer in the original language has to do with all communion with God, all communication with God. It can include worship. It can include, but it's this time where, where I am shifting, I'm intentionally shifting my focus from the, that thing or that person that's causing fear, and I'm shifting my heart into a place of worship and prayer and communication with the God of the universe. And this word supplication, prayer and supplication, it's a, it's a, it shifts into a focused, intense prayer. It's a prayer of desperation, but it's a, but it's a prayer of desperation with a request. It's, it's actually, I actually see myself laying that burden at the feet of Jesus. I'm taking my request. What's that thing that's causing fear? What's that thing that's burdening you right now? And, and I name it and I lay it at his feet. I'm, I'm not faking it till I make it. I'm not pretending it's not there. Close your eyes and pretend it's not there, right? But I'm saying, God, here's the thing that I'm afraid of. And I lay it at your feet in supplication. And then Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this place of worship that has to do with the gratitude of the heart. And the thing I like here in this, it's before you see the victory. It's before the breakthrough happens. That in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I'm actually putting myself in a place of joy and thanksgiving before it even happens. I'm saying, God, I trust you enough that I can actually rejoice in you right now on this side of victory. It's a big deal. And when we put those things into action, even right there in the midst of a place of fear, in the midst of the battle that we're going through, The Bible says it leads into a supernatural peace or actually a peace that passes or transcends all understanding. A peace that doesn't make any sense. And the Bible says here in that verse, it says that it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In in the original language, it actually means that it will umpire your heart. It's, It's like the Holy Spirit says, you're out! That the peace is there and everything else is out. 
it umpires your house. It, it governs what's allowed to come in and what stays. Isn't that huge? I love it. And so this first place is this peace that's within. It's in the midst of what we're going through. The, no matter where we're at in the world and no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, you can tap into a supernatural peace that transcends all understanding because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There is a resource that you get to have. Number two in this last point, but it's a really long point, okay? It's peace as a result. In other words, peace as a result of contending in an environment. Oftentimes, peace comes because we choose to face whatever it is and press through. It's, a, it's where I create peace. You know that you can actually create peace. There's a difference between an inner peace and an environmental peace. As believers, we have access to the inner supernatural peace that we talked about. But we also have the ability and the obligation to contend for peace. And then I like this, to sow peace into an environment. Matthew 5.9 says this. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I like this verse for two reasons. First of all, peacemakers. It, and the word literally means what it says. It says, peacemaker, that I create peace. That because the Holy Spirit is in me, because the God of the universe is in me, I actually get to create. I am a peacemaker. I make peace. And the, but the second part of that verse says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Sons of God. It just tells me this, it says that, that the ability to make peace is directly connected to my identity as a son or as a daughter of God. Because you're a child of God and your identity is in Christ, part of that identity is that you are a creator of peace. It's huge. So how do I create peace? There's a, the first thing is I have to understand the difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. I'll tell you what, that's been a lifelong journey for me. And sometimes I still, I still stumble and fall over the, the peacekeeper. Be, it, peacekeeper is, is I want to avoid conflict. Peacekeeper is, I, uh, just like it says, I just want to keep the peace. I, I don't want to step into anything that would, that would cause my blood pressure to boil. Or, you know, right? I, I, I don't want to do anything like that. I just want to keep the peace. I want to be at peace, and I want the environment to be at peace, and I'm not going to do anything to ruffle anybody's feathers because I'm a peacekeeper. But a peacemaker is a little bit different because a peacemaker heads straight on into conflict. Peacemakers bring supernatural answers and resolution. Peacemakers have the awkward conversation that brings restoration. Peacemakers do what's right even when the initial result in the natural doesn't look like peace. On a grand scale, we see this with our armed forces in the military. How often they head into a part of the country to bring peace, but how many know that in order to bring peace, there's conflict? Having you know that in order to bring peace to that village or that city or that country, to, to, to be at a place of peace, that war often has to happen. In the natural, we see this in the military, in the 
for us, we can look at that in our hearts when it comes to the enemy or when it comes to situations at work or in our family. I encourage us to tap into our identity as sons and daughters of God and become peacemakers. To head in straight into conflict and create peace in an environment. The second thing here is that we have to understand this isn't a performance thing. Did you know that Galatians 5 says this, is that part of the fruit of the Spirit is peace? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. A fruit. I like thinking about fruit. I, I like, uh, maybe I'm kind of, kind of hungry, I think. I like fruit. Peace is the fruit. It's a, it's a byproduct. The fruit of the Spirit it's, I don't have to work for this thing. As a believer, I don't have to like try to, to pop out a fruit of the, of the Spirit. It is, it's just fruit. It, in other words, it naturally grows. How? Uh, when I'm connected to Holy Spirit. Out of relationship with God. Out of, out of a heart that genuinely follows the Lord and is seeking Him daily. It's, it's that peace just flows. It just grows. And, and so I have to take a, a fruit check sometimes and realize that if, if I don't have peace in my life, am I pursuing the Lord? And obviously there's a, there's a grand scale of I'm pursuing my, li- my life, going after God, pursuing the Lord. There's on the grand scale we see that the overall as a man or woman of God, I'm, but on a smaller scale, on a daily scale, how many know that there's times when we're not pursuing God today. That there's times where this week we weren't really pursuing God. Or this month. Or we got out of, man, we are just, it's been a few months since I've really pursued God. And you take a check in your heart and realize, wow, I haven't really been at peace. Because peace comes as a natural byproduct of being connected to the King of all kings, to the Lord of all lords. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's a, it's a natural resource. There was, um, in World War II, there was a, a, the Battle of the Bulge, if anyone remembers history, the Battle of the Bulge. And, uh, and after the battle, there was a German officer that was remembering the battle. And as he remembered and described the capture of an American um, unit early on in the fighting, he described the, the American loot or the booty that, that they were able to, to gather. And there was something that was amazing to this German soldier is that one of the boxes, there was a, there was a cake that had been sent to an American soldier from Boston, World War II. And the German described his feelings when he realized that the Americans had resources to fly cakes overseas into battle. He said that he knew then that they would never defeat an enemy that had such resources for waging war in battle. Oh, that has to apply to us. The resources that we have. Don't you think that the enemy just has to shudder a little bit when they can send cakes over to Germany? Don't you think that he looks at us and, and as you start to come into agreement with the identity that God has for you as a child of God, as a son or daughter of God, don't you think that, that as you start to realize who you are in him, the enemy's like, no, 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 don't. 
He's like, don't tell him that. Don't tell her that. Don't let them really know. Don't let them know they can have cakes. Because if they knew the resources that they had, they'd be dangerous. I'm never going to win this war because they have resources. I'll tell you, you've got resources. The God of the universe is inside you. The God of the universe is inside you. Every single one of you that would call Jesus your Lord, the God of the universe is in you. All kinds of resources. One of those resources is unlimited peace. Unlimited peace. And so we're called to sow that peace or leave that peace in an environment. How do we do this? Part of it is just being aware, a conscious, a conscious awareness of what's in us changes things as we walk into environments. It's being aware of what's in me brings peace in the midst of chaos, brings peace to the environment around. You know this, this is true. When uh, How many of you have have ever just had a bad attitude? Any of you ever just been angry or had a bad attitude and you walk into your workplace and everyone else all of a sudden gets bad attitudes, right? How many know that when you're aware of the junk inside you, that it just exudes out of you in the environment around you? I'm just going to just submit to you that as you become more aware of the glory of God that's inside you, as you become more aware of the all-surpassing, transcending peace that's inside of you, when you realize that the King of all kings and Lord of all lords is inside of you, and as you walk in that aware of what you're carrying, I'm just going to submit to you that it changes, changes environments, that it changes workplaces. By just being aware of what I'm carrying right now in this moment, it changes environments. It changes marriages. It changes homes. It, it changes parenting because I'm aware of what I'm carrying. Peace just oozes out as we stay aware, aware of it. Matthew 10, Jesus was sending out his disciples two by two, and he said this in verse 13, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. I, I just, I, I like this verse because it, it gives indication that they had peace that they could give away liberally. This wasn't just, a, just some sort of a token thing that they said. But Jesus was saying, like, you as a peacemaker, as a creator of peace now, that as you walk into homes, that you can decide if that place is deserving, that your peace could actually rest on that place. That you have the responsibility to sow peace into the environments around you. Not only just being aware, but part of, part of our sowing peace into an environment has to do with the words that we speak. It's, it, it's a spoken declaration. That's what they would say when it was the, the, the shalom peace or the irene peace. When they would speak peace, this wasn't just a, hey, peace. Right? This wasn't just a bumper sticker. This was a, a reality that they believed and walked in that as they spoke, that they actually believed that their words carried life and, and would create peace in an environment. And so they would declare shalom or irene over the environments that they walked into. I remember holding somebody when they were having a panic attack one day. I was just holding them and they were having an all-out panic and anxiety attack. And I would declare peace over them. And my peace rested on them. And there was moments where they would just actually calm down and be at peace. And then 
And then eventually then the panic attack would start again. And they would be in fear. And I would declare and come into agreement with peace. And my peace would come on them. And it wasn't until they themselves came into agreement with the right things of God, righteousness, that the peace became permanent, that it was more than just my peace that rested. Now they tapped into an inner resource of peace. It's an interesting thing. Jesus modeled this whole principle when he, uh, he was asleep in the boat when there was a storm that came. And the disciples were freaking out. Do you remember this story? Jesus and the storm and the disciples were, were freaking out because there was a huge storm. They're fishermen. These weren't just like, the, like you're, uh, you know, a, bunch of, a bunch of kids out in the boat and they just get caught out in a storm. These are fishermen that knew the waters they knew storms. They, knew, they, they could see clouds. They, they, some, they knew that this thing that was coming in was scary and that they could die. And they see Jesus that says, sleep in the boat. First of all, I want to access that level of peace, right? That I could sleep in the midst of the storm. Jesus is sleeping in the storm and the disciples, they actually get kind of offended at Jesus. Don't you care about us, right? But the interesting thing, I mean, what, what's prayer? This isn't a trick question. What's prayer? Talk, what? Talking to God. Okay, good, good, good. Talking to God. That's the right answer. Prayer. And so the disciples go to Jesus. Would you agree they went to the right person? Yeah? Would you agree that, that the disciples talking to Jesus, that, that we could just, could we all agree that that's prayer? They were talking to Jesus. You and I talked to Jesus. They were talking to Jesus. And Jesus gets up and wakes up out of his sleep. Uh, I'm not going to say he was cranky, but I would say when I'm woken up out of a sleep, you know, I know how I would be. So Jesus wasn't cranky. He wakes up out of his sleep. And the Bible says he speaks to the storm and the winds and the waves obeyed him. And then he rebukes his disciples for their lack of faith. And it's just interesting to me when you think about this story because all the disciples were doing, they were, they were going to the right person. Would you agree that they went to the right person? They were actually in prayer. Jesus, save me. Jesus, look at the storm that I'm in. Jesus, the winds and the waves, this thing's going to capsize. And the thing that Jesus was doing is he was teaching them, his disciples, a greater principle than just coming to him in crisis. What he was saying was they had the ability to speak to the winds and the waves. Oh, you have little faith. It was saying take your faith to the next level. This was, you're operating on this level of faith that I can do everything for you. And now all of a sudden he's saying your words are powerful. You can actually speak peace into this environment because of everything that's inside you. Because the king of the universe is in you, you can speak peace to this environment and the winds and the waves will obey you. Part of releasing peace around you, part of contending for peace in your home and in your workplace and in society and the places of your sphere of influence is to open your mouth and speak to the winds of the waves and to realize the identity that you walk in as a child, as a son of God, that you've got unlimited resources. James 3.18, in the NIV version, it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. A harvest of the right things of God. 
As I study James 3.18, it's interesting because different versions of that verse kind of say it in a different angle and come at it from different, different directions. And, and, and it's just a, it's an incredible verse. And what I find is that regardless of how you read that verse, whether you sow peace, you'll reap righteousness, or whether you sow righteousness, you'll reap peace. It's just an incredible verse. It's one thing to create peace, and it's another thing to sow it. Have you ever thought about that? about sowing peace into an environment, you'll reap a harvest of righteousness. Let me tell you about that. The word righteousness, there's a word in the Greek that's called daikaiosune, uh, uh, if I pronounce that right. Daikaiosune. And it can be translated as either righteousness or justice. Both ways. And this is really what it means. Daikaiosune has to do with a restorative making things right righteousness or justice and so in other words for me today how it applies to my life is that as I sow peace as I'm aware of the peace that's in me as I declare the right things of God and the peace of God into environments what I reap is a harvest of righteousness in other words I reap this making things right restorative justice in my environment when the peace that the Bible talks about the shalom the irene, the harmony, security, safety, prosperity, quietness, rest. When that level of peace is sown into an environment, I reap that harvest of righteousness. The restorative, the making things right righteousness. Bottom line, sowing peace restores things and makes things right. It's huge. I want to close with this story. We talked about King David at the beginning of the of the message and read a, a psalm that he wrote in the midst of battle. David, before he was king, <coughs> he, he fell out of favor with King Saul. He was on the run for his life and he um, finds himself after picking some mighty men. Um, in fact, this is, these were the people that David picked as his followers in 1 Samuel 22. It says, uh, and everyone who was in distress everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was disconnected gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. That's a, that's a bunch of rejects, basically. Became David's mighty men. And he took 10 years to train these guys to be his mighty men. Eventually, it, was, it almost sounds like Jesus picking, right, picking the disciples, the fishermen, and the tax collectors. and He picked these, these, uh, this ragamuffin band. And he puts them together, and, and they're rejected from Saul's kingdom, and they're on the run. And as they're running, they end up, um, long story short, given a, a place called Ziklag in the land of the Philistines. And they actually start really kind of working and allying with the Philistines. And then... It came to a place in the story where the Philistines were going to go into battle with Israel. And at this point, David is kind of conflicted in his heart where Israel just rejected him. And he's got that heart pain towards Israel and he's been allied with the Philistines and they're going to go into battle against, against Israel. And David just assumes he's going to go into battle with the Philistines too. Where some of the Philistine princes started to think, wait a minute, David's, he's an Israelite. If we go into battle with David, he could easily just turn on us and then it's going to look good to King Saul and he could get back in favor with King Saul. So they basically just said, David, you're not allowed to come into war with us. So now David's rejected by Saul and he's rejected by the Philistines. 
And so he takes his mighty men after this time and they go back to Ziklag. And on their way back to Ziklag, they see smoke rising in the distance. And they get closer and they realize that Ziklag was burned to the ground and all their women and children and everybody was taken. The whole camp was looted that the Amalekites had come while they'd been gone and just totally destroyed the place. And so this military man, this warrior with his mighty men walk into this place. And the Bible says this. It says they lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Imagine that level of distress, that level of grief when the whole place was, was ransacked and their women and children were taken. 1 Samuel verse 30, or chapter 30, verse 6, I'm sorry, says this, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. His mighty men, the guys that he had poured his life into for 10 years, raising them up to be warriors, he was distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved for every, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to leave you with this thought here. Is that in the midst of everything, he, even his own men were turning on him. And if there's been any military person in this room, wouldn't that be like, like the greatest betrayal of the guys that you fought with all of a sudden turning on you? Adam, I don't know. I don't have any context for it. And David is sitting there in this moment, not only is he grieving over his own personal loss, but he, all, all these men around him that he trained were speaking of killing him. Everything happening, I would just submit to you, this is probably a lack of peace. This is probably a place where we could say, yeah, there's a little bit of fear and anxiety. And in that moment, he drops to his knees. And the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. In other words, he tapped into a resource that was beyond his natural circumstances. It was beyond what he could see in the natural. He tapped into that inner peace. He tapped into the renewable resource. He realized that he was a, a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. And the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. We're going to close this service here in, in this way. I'm going to come back up in a moment. What I'd like to ask you to do in honor of our military and, uh, and active duty and retired and even those fallen, could we stand? And I want us to sing. They're going to they're gonna lead us in a song called God Bless America. Let's sing this prayer over our, our country.
over you. I commission you like Jesus did to leave your peace or sow your peace into the environments that you're involved in. And I want to invite you to, if we're going to get ready to go eat together, but if you, if this message spoke to your heart and you're just not at peace for whatever reason, and you would just like someone to stand with you and to pray with you for breakthrough in your life in whatever area that is. I just want you to just feel free to come up here. I'll be up here. We might have a few other people up here. We'll just pray with you as long as it takes. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping the Lord well together. And I am excited to eat food with you in a few minutes. Would you stay and be with us? Let me pray over our meal and, and also just thank those that have been preparing it. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm really thankful that someone donated all the meat. That's just a, that's just a cool deal. It's a cool thing. So Lord, 